I feel sure that it's true that all of you have, at some point, participated in something that required you or invited you to follow a, a set of instructions, right, to achieve a, a certain result. It's like following a recipe or uh, putting together toys on Christmas Eve or building something from Ikea or anything uh, to planning a big event or restructuring an organization, something that it was important to follow certain steps first, right? And I feel certain that probably I'm not the only one who has before not followed all the steps and not gotten the result that I was hoping for. One, one day I uh, decided I was going to put something in the crock pot for dinner. Chicken cacciatore is what it was, and I got it all prepped. I put it in the crock pot. I turned it on, and I left to go to work, and I anticipated all day coming home to that smell of the Italian chicken cooking and ready for dinner. And I walked in the door and realized instantly that something was wrong. And I went into the kitchen, and lo and behold, I had not plugged in the crock pot. So there are certain things that have to happen in order to achieve the results that you are looking for. There's wisdom in first things first. And my word of advice to you with your crock pot, first, plug it in. That's your free advice tonight. If you get nothing else, you will remember to plug in your crock pot, right? There's wisdom in first things first, not just for our day-to-day living, but for our spiritual lives as well. When things are out of order in our spiritual lives, we can experience day to day that things are harder. Our relationships are harder. Making decisions is harder. We become easily frustrated and discouraged with ourselves, with other people. We might be irritated by other people, and likely we are irritable as well, and we might be the ones irritating other people when things are out of order in our lives. And we become, in many ways, restless when things are out of order. We are created in God's image. We are adopted as beloved children of God. We are chosen as God's covenant people. We are chosen as a royal priesthood. We are heirs of salvation. We receive the gift of salvation, a wholeness in life. That Jesus offers to us. And with Jesus as Lord, we have the right order for first things first. And yet sometimes we don't quite get that order right. So I wonder today if you're currently living in that first things first category. Or if you are more restless today in your heart, in your soul, in your mind. Are you first things first today or not? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us, that we would be renewed by your spirit. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This weekend in the life of the church is known as Christ the King Weekend. It's also the weekend before Thanksgiving. Those often fall together. It's the end of the liturgical year in the church. Next week begins Advent, a season that we come to every year where we're anticipating the birth of Christ, anticipating his return, 
We celebrate that by a season of preparation to remember and celebrate the birth of Christ. And then we move into the year of Epiphany and the baptism of our Lord and through a season of, of ordinary time and then into Lent as well, where we remember Jesus' life and ministry and his death and his resurrection on Easter, all the way into a season of Pentecost, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and living into that. That's, that's our church year with ordinary time thrown, thrown into that. And every year we come around to Christ the King, where we remember once again that there is a right order of things. There is a first things first order, that, that Christ is to have first place the reign of Christ and the kingdom of God. I, I so appreciated your prayer, Paul, about in the midst of this broken world, keeping our eyes on the kingdom of God. And some days that's really hard. And yet the truth is, as people of faith, we believe that the kingdom of God is very real. It is present now and it is to come. But it is present now. Christ the King Weekend reminds us to consider what it looks like in our day-to-day lives. Do we give Jesus first place? Do we allow Jesus to be King, to be Lord of our lives, or not? Our hymn of faith reminds us that Jesus' rightful place is as Lord of all. We can see it in Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. This is part of one of the oldest hymns of Uh, the early church. Therefore, God also highly exalted him, Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. All hail the power of Jesus' name reminds us that uh, Jesus is Lord. That's, we crown him Lord of Lords. All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name was written by, the words were written by this man. Edward Perronet is his name. Uh, This song, this hymn is known in many ways as the National Anthem of Christendom. It was written in 1779, published in 1779, 240 years ago. Uh, This man wrote the words. You know, last week we looked at Fanny Crosby, who in her lifetime wrote uh, 9,000 hymns. Uh, He really wrote only a few and will be only known for this one, kind of a one-hit wonder kind of experience, contrast to uh, last last week's hymns. But it's a hymn that has withstood the test of time. It remains an important hymn in all places where Christianity is known. It's been translated into almost every language possible where there is a Christian church. It, It is a reminder of where first things belong, that Jesus has first place in earth, in heaven, in our lives, in the world, in the kingdom of God, and in the kingdom of this world, we are to put Jesus first. In the hymn, we see reminders that Jesus is Lord and Savior, our proper relationship with God in Christ. And we also see that in this passage out of Colossians, Paul writes to them, May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of 
of sins. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus rescues us from the power of sin and death. We, in Jesus, we have redemption. We have forgiveness. Not just forgiveness from sin, but forgiveness, and, and we're set free. We're saved for life. Not just saved from the power of, of darkness, but saved for the kingdom of light. And in Christ, we are made children of the kingdom of God, transferred into that inheritance that is ours in Christ. That's what Jesus does for us as Savior. And Jesus' place is first, first, Jesus's first place in everything, and all things hold together in him. In our baptism, we are asked, Ben was asked today, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? And when we are baptized, we all say, I do. We say that because it is the right answer, right? But also because with that comes the instructions for what it means to put first things first in the life that we live as followers of Christ. Jesus has first place. And in our baptism, we receive that and we claim that. And yet we don't always live that way. We, we like Jesus being our Savior. We like that Jesus saves us from things. We're not always so excited about Jesus being Lord. It's harder for us to want someone else to have power and authority over us. It's harder for us to allow someone else to set the standard for how we live, to have expectations for what our life will look like. It's not that we're opposed to Jesus being Lord over some things in our lives. We're just not sure that we really want Jesus to be Lord over all, over everything in our lives. We'd like some middle ground. You know, Jesus, could you be Lord at home, but give me a break at work? Right? Or could you be Lord over this charitable giving, but not really be Lord over the rest of my financial practices? Or Lord, could, could, Jesus, could you be Lord over my relationships with my friends and the people that I love? But could you just kind of turn the other way when it comes to my relationships with people that I don't agree with or, or that irritate me? Right? We want some kind of middle ground where we don't have to be all in with Jesus being first. But that's just not how it works. Jesus is Savior and Lord. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we can let Jesus be Lord of a little bit, but not all. 
and it doesn't work that way. First things first means that Jesus is first on top, over all, above all, and that everything else falls in line after that. To be sure, the rest of how our lives, priorities for us fall into place may differ and may change depending on who we are and where we are and and what our lives look like. But first things first means Jesus first. First things first. The truth is something has to be in first place in our lives. There is something around which we all order our lives. We're created that way. We're created in the image of God. We're created, we're made to worship God. We're, We're created in a way that we give something else power and authority. And our invitation as people of faith is to give that power and authority to Jesus as Savior and Lord, but we don't always do that. We all order our lives around something, and and if it's not Jesus in whom all things hold together, then nothing is held together well at all. Whatever it is that's in first place for us, and, and it's tricky for us sometimes. We, we are caught off guard sometimes when we realize that we've, we've put Jesus out of first place and we've put ourselves or a, a relationship or a job or an achievement. Typically, if we've, if we've moved Jesus out of first place, it's because we're looking for security and meaning and purpose and status and, and place. We're looking for something that secures who we are in this world. And we fall into the trap of of comparison and and competition. We begin to look at other people and what they have and what they've accomplished and where they live. And and we begin to veer off course believing that our worth and our value is determined by how we keep up with those people. And it fosters this uh, unnecessary sense of competition for something that we already all have a place in God's kingdom as a beloved child of God, an heir with Christ of all that God has, is ours. And yet when Christ moves out of that first place, then we begin to fight for things that don't really matter in the long run. We get caught being ruled by the kingdom of this world rather than by Jesus in the kingdom of God. And we become impatient and frustrated and restless. St. Augustine said that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. I think that's probably the crux of the matter. As long as our hearts are restless within, as long as, as Jesus isn't in first place for us, isn't king, isn't Lord, then the restlessness inside simply mirrors the conflict of the world around us. The world around us tells that we have to have the best and the latest and the greatest, and we have to be the best. We have to have more. We have to do more. We have to earn our way into a, a spot of recognition to have status or, or achievement. And so we begin to grasp at things to have, possessions and power. And none of those satisfy the restlessness in our restlessness in our own hearts because they are part of the world, not part of the kingdom of God. Our hearts are restless until we find rest in God, until we allow God to have first place, allow Jesus to have first place. That's where we have to anchor ourselves. Anything else we try to anchor ourselves to 
will ultimately fail us. Because Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. We would like, in some ways, to think that we can navigate and negotiate our way around that, that that it would be okay as long as we have Jesus in first place in some things that we can kind of manipulate God to not need to be in first place in other areas, and it just doesn't work like that. God doesn't move out of that space. It's true of individuals, and it's probably true of the church and other institutions as well, that when we get first things first out of order, the whole thing begins to feel unsteady and restless. And we don't get the results that we expect. And so what happens then? Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? A man had, father had two sons, and, and the youngest son decided that he wanted his share of the inheritance, and so he goes to his father and asks for his share, of, demands his share of the inheritance, and the father gives it to him, and he takes off, and he squanders away all the money that his father has given to him, and he finds himself destitute. He finds himself with the pigs and willing to eat what the pigs would be given, and then this happens. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him. Do you know what that means? His father was watching for him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. In all of our wrestling with the ways of the world, and all of our wrestling with what has first place, God waits for us and watches for us. God will not force us to choose Jesus as Savior and Lord. God waits for us to come to our senses, to realize who we really are, that we're God's beloved children, and waits for us to humbly return and when we do, the celebration is already ready. God's not going to force us to keep first things first. But God celebrates and gives us everything that we need and that is ours as beloved children of God when we do. It means that we have to decide that we're going to recognize and respond to a higher authority than ourselves or than the kingdom of the world. First things first, and we aren't first. It means we're willing to lose ourself in order to gain our life. I love the story about a man. A wise man was once asked, Do you wrestle with God? And the wise man replied, Yes. And then the next question was, Do you hope to win? And the wise man said, No. I hope to lose. 
To lose to God in wrestling is to be found in Christ. To be found in Christ is to know that we belong to God. As beloved children, as the royal priesthood, as the covenant people, I will be your God and you will be my people. To know that we belong to God as beloved children elicits gratitude for the work of Jesus as Savior, and it compels recognition of who Jesus is as Lord. To recognize and surrender our lives to Jesus as Lord doesn't make life magically easier. It doesn't mean that we stop wrestling with all of the hard things. It doesn't mean that we're suddenly no longer tempted by the kingdom of the world, that we're no longer uh, tempted to, to follow the ways of the world or to divide our loyalty between God and, and the world. It, it, does, it does mean that we can keep coming back to the wisdom of the instructions that God gives us in putting first things first. It does mean that we can trust that when Jesus is first, we have a different starting point for making decisions, for being in relationships, for living our lives. It does mean that we can trust that in Jesus, all things, all things somehow hold together. Even the things that seem so disparate in our lives, even the things that that don't seem to have any way of being held together, in our brokenness, and our sorrow, and our heartache, and the challenges we've faced, and, and the, the failures we've experienced, sometimes our lives, all of those pieces, it doesn't seem possible that they could all be held together. And yet, in Jesus, all things are held together. So, to put Jesus as first things first, in that place, to recognize Jesus as Lord allows us to believe that that is true and allows us to relate rightly to one another and to the world, even when the world around us seems full of uncertainty, even when the path before us seems unclear, even when we can't see the big picture of our lives, we can trust that God does and that God's given us the instructions and how to navigate the world in which we live, putting first things first. I wonder tonight if you looked honestly at your heart, at your mind, at your relationships, at your work, at how you make decisions throughout the day. Is Jesus in first place? Are you making the rest of your life come underneath where Jesus is? Or are there other things that you are ordering your life around? And if that's true, what would it look like for you to put things back in right order? What would it look like for you to really let Jesus be back in first place? First things first is how God invites us to live. It's what we say when we are baptized that that's how we will live and we're empowered by God's Holy Spirit to do just that we don't do it on our own we can't keep that order on our own but the Holy Spirit will empower us to do so because it's God's design for us 
and God's desire for us to have a fullness of life that comes when Jesus is first. Let us pray. Lord, you know us, you see us, you hear us, you watch as day in and day out. Uh, Sometimes we make good decisions and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we relate to other people remembering that uh, we are your hands and feet and sometimes, quite frankly, we don't. Sometimes we live in the midst of this world as ones who are filled with your light, and sometimes we skirt the edges of the darkness. Help us. Help us see and trust and, and know that as we have been baptized into the body of Christ, we've promised to serve you as Lord. We've promised to remember that you're first in our lives. So give us eyes to see how we might not be living that out right now. And give us courage to surrender once again to putting first things first and allowing Jesus not just to be Savior, but also to be our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.